Our sermon text today is found in John chapter 5. John chapter 5, verses 19 through 29. Life, judgment, and the sun. That's what we'll be looking at today. John chapter 5, verses 19 through 29. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son, and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will he show him, so that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. But, sorry, for the Father judges no one but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son, just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but is passed from death to life. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here. When the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live, for the Father is life in him, for as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself, and he has given him authority to execute judgment, because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out, those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray for God's blessing upon his word. O Lord, we thank you for sending your Son, that we might know you, that we might behold your grace and mercy and truth. We pray that you would sanctify us by your truth, that you would bless your word for our good, that you would help us to understand the things written here, understanding them truly, uh, that we might receive them believingly and benefit by them. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This, uh, what Jesus says in this passage, uh, is in response or follows up on the account we looked at last week, where Jesus was in Jerusalem at the pool of Beth... I I did pronounce it wrong last time. I'm going to get it right this time. Bethesda. Bethesda. Uh, Not Bethsaida. Bethesda. And he was at the pool, and he healed the man who was lame. And the man got up, carried his mat, and walked. But it was the Sabbath day. And that caused problems for the Jewish authorities. And not only did the man himself uh, get questioned by them, but they particularly uh, focused their uh, hostility at Jesus, not only because he healed on the Sabbath, but also because of Jesus' explanation of why he healed on the Sabbath, where he said, my father is working until now and I am working. Uh, And so they were seeking to kill him, not only because he was breaking the Sabbath in their eyes, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. And so these 
verses now that follow are Jesus commenting on this relationship of him and his father and the importance of them receiving him and the father who sent him. In this passage, we find that the father works through the son and has commissioned the son to give life to the dead and to execute judgment. And so, accordingly, you should listen to the son and believe the one who sent him, that you might have eternal life and release from judgment, even now and on the last day. Because the son is presently raising the dead through his word, and in the future he will raise all the dead from their tombs unto life or condemnation. So Jesus is explaining you know, what he has been uh, commissioned for, um, what has already happened. He's saying what is happening now. He is speaking, and the dead are coming to life spiritually. And what will come, the coming judgment that he will administer, giving a resurrection unto life to those who had already received life and a resurrection unto condemnation for those who had done evil. So first let's look at the first uh, 19 through 23, those verses, how the Father works through the Son and has commissioned the Son to give life to the dead and to execute judgment. In verses 19 through 20, uh, Jesus describes how Uh, The son does, only does, he does only what he sees the father doing. And he does what the father does. Uh, He does divine works. He does God's works. He works the works of the father. And the father, as he says, loves the son and shows him all that he is doing so that the son might do the same. You might almost think of an analogy from Jesus' own upbringing where If his father was working as a carpenter, as a son, he would see what his father was doing so that he would become a carpenter and do the same things. Now, of course, uh, God the Father and God the Son don't have quite the same relationship. God the Son wasn't growing up in his divine nature to be like his father. But in the sense that what the father does, the son also does in that respect, uh, the analogy holds, especially with respect to uh, Christ's Uh, messianic mission, that he had come with a commission from God um, to give life and to execute judgment. Uh, These were works that the Jews would admit the Father does, that these are works of God, and and Jesus is saying, as the Son, I do these works. They have been, uh, the Father has shown them to me that I might do the same. So the son does his father's will as the Christ, as the one sent by the father, but he is able to do the same works because of his equality with the father, because he himself is God. In sense, he's saying, you think healing the lame man is impressive? I'm going to do much greater works than these. You're going to marvel uh, so that you're going to marvel at the things which I will do. And it's these two divine works in particular that he brings to mind in verses 21 through 22. He talks about uh, giving life, uh, quickening, or or making alive, and executing judgment. Uh, Like I said, the Jews would have agreed that God raises the dead, and uh, that he will raise the dead. Uh, This was a conviction that uh, already was held before the New Testament came around, that there would be a day of resurrection at the end of the world. 
And they also would have agreed that God was the judge of the world, that God would judge all men. And so Jesus says, For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. For the Father judges no one, but he has given all judgment to the Son. Uh, the Father judges no one in the sense that he has given this judgment to the Son, and through the Son is going to uh, judge the world. But uh, it is a work particular uh, to the Son. So life, giving life, and judgment. As a consequence, uh, all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. The Jews claim to honor the Father, and therefore they ought to have honored his Son, whom he had sent. In fact, it says that the Father had given all judgment to the Son, that they may honor the Son, just as they honor the Father. And in fact, whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. If you do not receive the Lord Jesus, if you do not receive the Son of God, then you in fact are not honoring the Father, all your claims to the contrary notwithstanding. So we find that divine worship is to be given to the Son. It's a significant thing because God does not uh, share his honor and glory with another. He is one of a kind. He has no rival and yet does not find this a rivalry to exalt the Son to the same honor because he is equal with the Father and they are one God. He is given all authority in the name above all names to Jesus as the Christ, so that he is also the life giver and the judge of all. Implied in this is that the Father and the Son are one, for God has no rivals. And to, and to not honor the Son is to not honor the Father. The Father has sent the Son, and so one cannot honor the Father without honoring the Son whom he has sent. John puts it a different way in First John 2, where he says, <clears throat> Uh, No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. And so like a a king who sends an ambassador, you know, if the person receives the ambassador, they receives the king. If he rejects the ambassador, he rejects the king. Um, How much more with uh, the Son himself being sent? And in this case, the Son who is uh, even equal with his Father being co-essential with him. So the Father works through the Son. They work the same works, and he's particularly been sent to give life and to judge. The second point here we find then is what we should do. Verse 24. It's not as many verses, but it's a weighty verse uh, that we should listen to the Son and believe the one who sent him, that you might have eternal life, released from judgment, both now and on the last day. There it says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Now, these are uh, things that are true of believers in the present. <clears throat> if you hear his word, believe, then these things are true of you, that they have happened to you, that you do not presently come under judgment or condemnation, and you will not. And 
uh, you have passed from death to life. Now, what does it mean to hear and to believe in this way? Uh, to hear the words of Jesus is more than uh, having some sounds go in and out of your ear. You know, someone can say something that you uh, physically heard, but you might not under- actually understand the words. You have to give attention, at least a little attention, usually, to understand what they're saying. Um, here, it's a little bit more than that, not only to uh, understand grammatically what, what words are being spoken, but to attend to them, to heed them, to receive them, to receive the words of Jesus, and then to believe the one who sent him. Now, this is not referring to you know, some belief in God abstracted from Christ, you know, as if you could be saved by faith merely in the Father and not in the Son, because that would contradict what had been said in the verse prior, but rather to believe in him as the one who had sent the Son, uh, to believe in the Father and to rest in the salvation that he has provided in Jesus Christ. Um, certainly faith is in Jesus Christ, but scripture can also speak of our faith being in the one who raised Jesus from the dead. Our faith being in God who has provided this salvation in his son, Jesus Christ. And so we have this faith in the Father, which is expressed by receiving the Son and the words that he speaks. Now the person who receives the Son receives more than the Son. He receives life. He receives release from judgment, what we would call justification. Jesus both quickens sinners and justifies sinners. He gives them new life, that they no longer are walking in darkness and sin and bondage to the evil one, but rather have a new life and can walk in newness of life. And they also uh, not only have new life, being born again, but they also are not under condemnation, not under judgment. He does not come into judgment. The life that he gives even now is spiritual. Uh, It's not talking about your bodily health, but it's talking about a spiritual life being reunited with the one who is the life, who is the source of life, God himself. It is an eternal life, as it says here, a life that is eternal, that is unbreakable, Uh, that will be true in the age to come. He makes a person a new creation, causing one to live to God and reunites the sinner with God in an unending way. Now, the justification is immediate and final. There's no condemnation now or later. He does not enter into judgment under condemnation. The believer has passed from death to life, from one realm and state unto the other. So that's why we talk about the estate of sin and misery, or the state of salvation by a redeemer. There's one realm, the domain of darkness, another, the kingdom of his beloved son. There's, there's one state and condition, and you pass from one to the other. And you have passed from one to the other if you believe in God and his son, Jesus Christ. And so this is a gift for us to receive even now, to listen to the words, to listen to the voice of Jesus, and to find new and eternal life in him. 
Why? Well, because the Son is presently raising the dead through his word. And he will in the future raise all the dead from their tombs unto life or condemnation. So the reason why this is important to listen to his words and to believe in the one who sent him is followed up then in verses 25 and 28 and 29. Let me go ahead and reread some of that. So verse 25. Truly I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. And then going to verse 28 and 29, do not marvel at this for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out and those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. So in the present hour, The Son of God is quickening, making alive the dead spiritually. In a future hour, not yet come, the Son of God will raise all the dead from their tombs and judge them. In both cases, he uses his voice to stir uh, the dead to life, but in different ways. Um, Compare this to the two resurrections in Revelation. In Revelation, it speaks of the first resurrection, in which Jesus causes the saints, you know, causes some people to come to life. And those who share in the first resurrection are not in danger of the second death, which is the lake of fire. Those who have been regenerated uh, by Christ uh, are not in danger of the second death. The first death being your bodily death, the second death being that eternal judgment. It seems to be I think the best understanding of the first resurrection is this spiritual resurrection through the gospel and implied is a second resurrection, which would be the bodily uh, resurrection, which is spoken of here in verses 28 through 29. Both of these, of course, this is Jesus teaching, but both of these being recorded by the same person, by John the Apostle. Um, But regardless of how one takes Revelation 20, it seems to be clear enough here that there is one kind of resurrection which is only true of some people uh, and those who hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live and then later there is one that wakes everyone and some will live and some will be condemned and that one is explicitly physical because it is people coming out of their tombs um, and it is general to all. So presently, and it's still coming, he says it's coming and it's now here, because it is now here, but it's also going to be true more and more as this age goes along, as the gospel goes out, as especially in Jesus' time, he looks forward to the calling of the Gentiles and the gospel going out to all the world. It's, it's coming in a special way in the new covenant with greater power and efficacy, uh, but it's coming, but it's also here that he speaks and the dead receive uh, spiritual life. Uh, that even in the New Testament, now that he has ascended, Jesus continues to preach. As in Ephesians, he preaches peace to those who are near and peace to those who are far off, even who weren't able to receive his earthly ministry. And so that Paul could tell the Ephesians, you heard him, Uh, you were taught in him. You weren't taught like this. You were taught to be like this. We are his disciples to be taught by him. Or as Paul says, how will they believe unless they have heard him? heard the word of Christ. The word of Christ is being uh, preached through the gospel, through the ministry of the word, through the reading of the word, the preaching, if it's faithful of the word. Jesus yet is calling, and he calls effectually 
when, uh, by his Holy Spirit, so that by uh, the word and its application by the Spirit, the sinners are brought from hostility uh, to believing reception of Jesus. Of course, Jesus did physically raise a few people from the dead in his own life. In that sense, it wasn't coming. It was completely there and doesn't happen today in the same way. But uh, he did raise a few people like Lazarus, and that fits a, makes a, a good analogy to what he's talking about, that it was his voice. He said, Lazarus, come out. Lazarus was dead, but then he became alive through the voice of Jesus and responded and came out. And so the believer hearing the voice of Jesus responds through no natural power of his own, but he still responds through faith that receives the Lord Jesus and embraces him. And so we should listen to the Lord Jesus, attending to the voice of the good shepherd. You should look beyond me to him and listen and interact and relate to the Lord Jesus. You should be taught by him. But there is a coming hour, not yet here, when his voice will raise the dead. He has the keys to death in Hades. He has the power uh, committed to him by God, and especially with his own triumph over death, to raise the dead from their tombs. This is a bodily resurrection. All who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. It involves coming out of tombs, and it includes both the, the condemned and the justified. So we're not talking about imparting spiritual life here. We're talking about bodily resurrection. And the Son will execute judgment at that time. He'll execute judgment in the sense of distinguishing, uh, just, just, uh, just taking one group and putting them over here, taking this group and putting them over here, that kind of discerning judgment, and also judgment in the sense of condemnation, not upon all, but upon some, those who have done evil, uh, to a resurrection of condemnation. They will not be glorified. They will, in fact, receive what Revelation calls the second death, but in a bodily sense. Uh, with the body. But those who have done well will be receive a resurrection unto life, life in its fullest sense, a glorified life, a life in which there is no pain or suffering, but blessedness in the presence of God. That is the coming day. Now, verse 24 makes it clear that the basis for the resurrection of life is the reception of Christ. The basis is not that they have done good. That's not the, uh, the merit. Uh, that's not the, the basis. But verse 29 makes it clear that the two groups will be distinguished from one another by their works. That you can describe these two groups as the one group has done good and the other group has done evil. And the one group who has done good will receive a resurrection unto life. And the group who has done evil will will receive the resurrection unto condemnation. Um, those who receive life from Christ will be eager, and by his grace able, to bear good fruit. What do living things do? Living things grow and bear fruit, but dead ones do not bear fruit. And if you, it might be hard in February to discern which of your trees are living or not, but of course by the end of the summer you have a good idea of which trees are dead and which ones are alive. Have they sprouted forth leaves? Have they borne fruit? 
And so the two groups can be described in this way. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. And so as Christ's disciples, we of course should continue to abide in him, remain in him, hold fast to him as the source of our life, his words as the source of our life, and then being eager to bear good fruit as we follow him with uh, great hope unto the glory of our Savior. Now, I did skip over verses 26 and 27. Uh, They kind of reaffirm what he had already said earlier, that the Father has granted him uh, life and authority to execute judgment. Now, verse 26 is more debated on whether that's referring to uh, his eternal nature or rather to his messianic office. Is he given life in himself in the sense that he's begotten of the Father, or is that referring to how uh, as the Messiah, as the Christ, as the Savior, he's been given this charge to, to give life, that life is deposited in him for uh, believers. Um, it's certainly the case in verse 27 that it seems to be an emphasis on his messianic office because it says that he has been given authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Notice it doesn't say Son of God there, it says Son of Man. Um, probably thinking back to Daniel 7, where one like the Son of Man received authority from the Ancient of Days uh, to receive a kingdom. So you have this idea of authority, receiving authority as the Son of Man, and here it's saying he's receiving authority as the Son of Man. It's because he has this uh, messianic office that he has received uh, judgment. And so the, the, the Son is the Christ, he is the Savior, The Son is also the Son of God, doing divine works of salvation and judgment. He has been sent by the Father, fully representing the Father, the exact imprint of his nature. Life and judgment are in his hands. The Father works through the Son and would have all people to honor the Son with the same honor that they give to him. With him, he ought to be worshipped glorified. In the present hour, the Son is reviving sinners. So hear him. Believe. Hear his words. Believe in the one who has sent him. Come forth and embrace him and continue to walk with him, bearing good fruits. For in a future hour, the Son will raise the dead and judge all men. This is reason to receive him now and then to live in hope to look forward to that day as a day of the consummation of our hopes of being openly acknowledged and acquitted and blessed and raised even more bodily and and soul to life, to eternal life, uh, to blessedness in the presence of God. Let us pray. Dear God, we thank you for the work that you do. You gave life in the beginning when you created Adam, and you continue to sustain for a time this bodily life. We thank you for, uh, in this life, giving us access to the gospel of Jesus Christ that we might share in this eternal life, in life of the age to come. We pray that you would strengthen our faith, that you would Grant this faith to those who lack it, that you would uh, revive the lost and uh, 
work so that the voice of the Son of God would indeed go forth effectually, powerfully, uh, to save those who are yet in death. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.